There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my friends, and welcome back again. Isn't it fun to have these two-night WrestleManias? Because we can just take all the love in the world and push it into our faces. Now, of course, we have to talk about next year. Is it better to have two nights? Is it better to have one night? I personally would prefer one, but just don't make it 79 hours long. Four and a half, maybe five, is fine. Also, because of all the craziness going on, I forgot to mention how good the WrestleMania 37 set is. There's something about pirates, and there's something about pirate ships that just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. But we have loads to talk about, so we're going to take the finger of power. I'm going to say hello, my name is Simon Miller. Welcome to What Culture Wrestling. And that's right, part two of WrestleMania is in the books, but does it get an up or does it get a down? It's time to find out as we up those downs. Man, the start to WrestleMania Night 2 was so difficult, I kind of missed the rain. Because Titus O'Neil and Hulk Hogan were back as the hosts of WrestleMania, but this time they were dressed like pirates, they were talking like pirates, and for some reason WWE felt the need to pump in crowd noise. It was a bit like I was watching a rubbish pantomime. There was also some terrible scripting here where Hogan called us all scallywags and Titus O'Neil had to go, you can't say that on live TV. So either we are just completely tone deaf or I don't even want to go down the other avenue. But none of this was fair on Titus O'Neil and is getting it down. We then moved into our first match, which was Randy Orton versus The Feet. If you can believe it, it was actually just a normal, basic singles exhibition match, even though the pair had been trying to set each other on fire. Now, I will say it was great to see Randy Orton come out there because you could just tell he was so pleased to see the fans. Plus, he was wearing white gear. And for one reason, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's wearing like WrestleMania pants. These are the things that go into my head. The point is that kind of emotion is just the best. And then the fiend arrived. Now, for starters, he looked like some kind of woman in a futuristic E-Man tunnel. Like, I don't know if he was or wasn't wearing a headscarf, but it certainly looked like he was. This is the kind of thing that my grandmother used to wear when she was cold. He then walked down this futuristic thing, though, and by magic, 
all of a sudden his wounds and his burns were healed. So that was the payoff. That was the payoff for setting somebody on fire. I cannot lie, I was laughing my ass off. The thing is, straight after this, the Firefly Funhouse music started to play. Alexa Bliss came out and every single person in Raymond James Stadium went absolutely crazy. So they loved it. She got a phenomenal reaction, even more so when she arrived at this giant jack-in-the-box, which Michael Cole, I think, called it all. That's some kind of giant box structure. Oh my gosh, the pain in my chest. But Alexa actually had to use this. She pulled the handle with the whole and then pop out the top came Bray Wyatt. What the hell is wrestling? That's what I just wrote down 32 times. What the hell is wrestling? And I didn't have an answer. He then jumped off the box right onto Orton as Cole gave a small one. He went, the fiend has been restored. And I was like, you can't just say that. Out of context, it makes absolutely no sense. How the flubbing hell was he restored? This isn't like accidentally wiping the files on your computer. I will say this though. It was so over the top and it was so ridiculous. And the crowd treated it with the right kind of noise that I did get a little bit of a kick out of it. If you are going to do something this stupid, you may as well do it at WrestleMania. And I suppose, did anyone ever explain how Undertaker and Kane fired lightning at each other? No, they did not. So for the sheer pomp and circumstance, it can have it up. As for the match though, well. WWE decided to have this in the red lights again, which outdoors was an even worse idea because it was really hard to see. And even though Randy Orton hit three draping DDTs and threw him into the announce table, Bray Wyatt no-sold everything, so it was the same old, same old. However, when he was ready to hit Randy Orton with Sister Abigail, all of a sudden, Alexa Bliss was sat on top of this box-like structure and she was melting as all of that black goo came out of her face. This was too much for the fiend who was distracted and stared at her like, oh, I don't know what's going on. And then he turned around, he got RKO'd and lost and was beaten again at WrestleMania. The lights then went out and when they came back on, everyone was gone. So we had used the showcase of the immortals to do a tease for, I guess, some sort of fallout on Raw. So yes, it was different. I suppose it was kind of intriguing. But it wasn't for me at all, and I don't understand why WWE hates Bray Wyatt so much. He was set on fire and killed, and when he came to WrestleMania to get his revenge, he just lost. And this only went around about three minutes. It was really weird. It was really bizarre. Like I say, it went right over my head, which is not a hard thing to do because I'm bald but I gotta give it a down. Bailey was back next. He was yelling at Titus O'Neil and Hulk Hogan and now Eric Bischoff. And the only thing I could think the whole time was, this was your MVP in 2020, and this is how you decided to use her at WrestleMania. I don't get it. WWE then stuck to their guns and kind of just replicated night one on night two because our second match was for the Women's Tag Team Championships as Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax defended them against Tamina, what's that? Oh, there's nobody Mina and Natalia. Now this was yet another weird match because I don't think that any of them were meant to be good guys or at least that's not how they've been presented and yet halfway through it was quite clear from the story, no, you're meant to be cheering for Natalia and Tamina. I did some research and nobody's Mina. But I was like, why? Why would I? They've kind of been idiots for the last few weeks. And we kicked things off with Baszler taking on Natalia and what they did was fine. But then it got even more odd because Nia Jax tagged in and she was like, I want Tamina. So Tamina tagged in and everyone was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. We're going to see Tamina versus Nia Jax. I was like, this would have been fine. But you did it on SmackDown 
two days ago. I saw it on SmackDown two days ago. How all of a sudden am I gonna be fired up for this? Natalia was then beaten up for ages too as Tamina had to sell on the outside just because Nia Jax had given her a slam onto the mat. And this was yet another problem because we were meant to be like, oh man, I really want Natalia to get Natalia because she's getting beaten up so badly. But again, she's a heel. Why would I give two hoots? Eventually, Tamina did get the hot tag, although not to be mean, it should probably be described as a lukewarm one. And then when she gave Nia Jax a power slam, I thought Nia Jax was going to die. She pretty much landed right on her head. We then tied it into everything that had happened 24 hours previously, because Tamina went for the splash, but this time she missed. Which left Natalia to put the sharpshooter on Nia Jax who was not the legal woman. And I just kind of crossed my hands like Natalia. You such a moron, this is not the first time you've done this. Baszler then snuck in and locked in the Kirafuda clutch to get the win and retain their titles. And I think this was meant to be seen as some kind of devious act, but all the teams in this have been devious, so none of this worked. And again, they did work really hard, but the story was like going from page one to page 32 and trying to make sense of this. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn was next though and I was so excited and I was so hyped up I audibly said out loud this feels like Wrestlemania and then was ashamed of myself because it's a very odd thing to do. Logan Paul of course was the guest and honestly WWE maybe I'm wrong but maybe I'm not but when Sami Zayn was doing his introduction the crowd started to boo and yet when Logan Paul was walking down to the ring all of a sudden there were some very suspicious sounding cheers that sound a little bit like what we would do when we push the Thunderdome button. So please just never do this again. If we have real human beings in the crowd let them cheer and boo whoever the hell they want even if it doesn't tie into the narrative surely the last year or so has taught us that. Down. I was quickly over that though because because the most pumped up version of Kevin Owens came storming out from the entranceway and he was so excited he kept walking up and down the ramp and when he was in the ring he was kicking the ropes he was so fired up I felt fired up I was like oh man I need to go out for a fight so all of this was tremendous up the very first thing we saw there was a pop-up powerbomb and then KO continued to assault Sami Zayn and if you were wondering well I wonder what the flavor of this match will be when Sami Zayn was able to roll out the ring and bide some time he then gave Kevin Owens a brain buster on the ring open, which, by the way, is the hardest part of the ring. He followed it up with the stiffest Mishinoku driver I think I've ever seen in WWE as Kev landed right on his head. So thankfully, they were going to do the exact kind of match they used to do, although just a little bit less nuts, because again, it is WWE. There was a great near fall after a Kevin Owens frog splash, although I think deep down no one truly believed that was going to be the finish. And then Owens decided, well, if you're not going to go down, I will just continue continually drop you on your head over and over and over again. So this did absolutely rock in terms of our entertainment, but I am worried about Sami Zayn's neck. And then I started to worry about Kevin Owens' head because Sami caught him and exploded, suplexed him not once but twice into the turnbuckle. And there is no way you can fake that. Before all of that too, Owens even went for a package pile driver. And if you know Kevin Steen, well, you know, and it's just such a shame that WWE banned the move. Two back-to-back brain busters resulted in another close two for Sami Zayn. When that didn't work, they just started punching each other in the face. And I was like, man, this is just Batman versus the Joker. They could do this forever, and I'd still be happy for them to continue. Owens then hit that top rope exploder suplex, which always looks like it's going to hurt both guys. And then Sami Zayn hit the stiffest Aluva kick I've ever seen. 
and then kind of sadly it just ended and I won't lie that was a little bit anticlimactic because this was really short because Owens responded with a super kick that surprised Sami Zayn so much he also got stone cold stunned and Kev then pinned him for the one, two, three. Now this was a really entertaining match that I could probably watch every single day until 2022. But yeah, if you had told me it could just had 10 more minutes, I would have been a pleased pup. Obviously we did have to have our post-match angle with Logan Paul and look, fair play to that guy. He did everything that you'd want someone like Logan Paul to do. He pushed Sami Zayn down. Kevin Owens pretended to celebrate like, oh, I'm so glad you've done this. And then gave him the Stone Cold Stunner which Logan Paul kind of sold like he'd been electrocuted. Hopefully that clip does do the rounds though and gives Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn all the momentum in the world. This was fun, fun stuff. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It was quite the 180 then because we went backstage and Riddle was talking to none other than the great Carly. I mean, what a world. And Riddle decided to talk to the great Carly about how big his hands were and if he was able to get big gloves. And this resulted, if you can believe it, with the great Carly looking at Riddle like he was the biggest idiot in the world. RVD then turned up to make some weed jokes and Carly started to look like, I don't know where the hell I am. And this is WrestleMania, folks. You never know what they're gonna do. Naturally, this meant Riddle versus Sheamus for the United States Championship was next. And this reminded me why it's been so good to have real people back. We're finally learning who has and who hasn't connected with the WWE universe. And when Riddle's music hit, Everybody went crazy. We also had a special entrance for our champion because when he flicked his flip-flops off and all those digital birds came flying towards the camera, one of them was dressed like a pirate. And because WWE doesn't understand the art of subtlety at all, the bird stopped in front of the lens, winked, and then flew away. We get it, WWE, and we would have got it either way. You kind of knew what to expect here too because we have seen these guys go at it before. And much like then, they just kicked absolute lumps out of each other. Like even the chops were as if they were trying to get inside the other person's rib cage. And early on, Sheamus was just grabbing Riddle and chucking him around. He made a massive mistake when he went to the top ropes though because Riddle channeled his inner Kurt Angle. He ran up there, grabbed him and gave him a belly belly back down to the floor. That spot 
will never be anything but great. I think Riddle even gave Sheamus a jackhammer at one point, which must have been a lull to Goldberg. Although Bill may have been laughing a little bit because they did screw it up first time and had to do it twice. And then the knee that Sheamus gave Riddle. I mean sheesh. Because Riddle flipped over the ropes to try and get some kind of momentum to do something. But instead, Sheamus did knee him right in the face and I am 99% sure it just connected. I mean, it was so brutal, I thought that was it. I thought that was gonna be the finish, but somehow the champ kicked out. We clearly hadn't done enough on the apron this evening though, so Riddle gave Sheamus a German suplex onto it. Well, that was kind of funky because it didn't really land properly, so the impact was taken away. But Riddle followed that up with a corkscrew moonsault thing to the outside onto Sheamus, so straight away you were like, I don't even remember what that last move was, but I do know we're pulling out the WrestleMania maneuvers. Sadly, they did screw up a top rope Irish curse when they fell down from the turnbuckle. But honestly, I'm surprised that stuff doesn't happen more because you have a human being on your back. Once again, they got away with it because the finish was insane. Because after Riddle had gone for a springboard moonsault from the second rope, Sheamus just connected with the bro kick and pretty much the entirety of his leg and smacked Matthew Riddle right in the face. Riddle was busted open because of course he was, and that was it, that was the end. We have a new United States champion. Riddle probably doesn't have a mouth anymore. Also, if that hadn't have been the ending, somebody would have had to have had a talking to, but is getting it up. I then have no idea what happened. We had some crazy video where Triple H handed a briefcase to Bad Bunny, and in that briefcase was Bad Bunny's microphone, so he got on top of a truck and drove away. Now, as it turned out, this was an advert for his music tour, and also, I presume, to write him off WWE TV, which means Bad Bunny got a better write-off than some actual wrestlers who were in the company right now. And then it was time for our Nigerian drum fight and I sat there on my sofa during part two of WrestleMania 37 and said, I still have no idea what a Nigerian drum fight is. What was awesome was the presentation because while he was performing Biggie's entrance music live and that always makes somebody feel like a big star. And when Apollo Crews walked the aisle, I was like, man, this guy couldn't even get on TV like a few months ago, whenever the hell it was. Now he has a singles match at WrestleMania. I'm giving it a up. As it turned out, this was just a street fight by another name with a focus on kendo sticks because both Apollo and Biggie got the kendo sticks to begin with and they were just nailing the shib out of each other. Then Big E did that crazy spear through the ropes because it is WrestleMania, he got so much distance on it. If he was gonna hurt himself, this would have been the evening, but thankfully he's okay. Cruz cut him off with a death daddy driver onto the apron, which is the hardest part of the ring. And then he was gonna get the steel stairs again and try and murder Big E. The problem is he took too long. So instead, when he ran at the Intercontinental Champion, he got grabbed and he got urinagied onto the still steps. Once again, when we get to WrestleMania, the conversations backstage must be, do you think because it's WrestleMania, we won't get hurt as much? And then amazingly, the other person goes, yeah, that's how it works. Apollo was then back to using kendo sticks when he laid Biggie on a table and went for a frog splash, but missed and went careering through the wood. And that's when I thought, oh, it's gonna be like a couple of other matches, it's just going to end, because Biggie did hit the big ending onto Apollo Crews. 
then it happened. Because just as that was about to happen, up popped Baba Kato, although he's dressed differently, so I think he's meant to be a different character. He walloped Biggie in the head, he gave him a choke slam, he grabbed Apollo Crews, put him atop of Biggie, and the ref went one, and the ref went two, and the ref went three, and we have a brand new IC champion. And I didn't mind this at all, because if you go back and watch my predictions video, I even said, you should have Apollo Crews win here, and hell, you can even have him cheat. That's exactly what he did. The problem, however, is that even though I went, oh look, it's Dabakato or Babatunde, whatever the hell his name is, and even though social media said this, and even though every single person on the planet said this, Michael Cole and Corey Graves were like, well, who is this suspicious character? Who is this suspicious chap? And why do we always do this? It just makes you so confused. And then I start to feel like, well, I must have got it wrong. So I Google this stuff. I'm like, no, that is the guy. So why don't the commentators who are meant to be my eyes and ears relay this information to me? It's like when Omos was back on TV and it was quite clearly the security guard from Raw Underground but nobody says anything like a Tyrannosaurus Rex has just ended, so we have to freeze, otherwise it's gonna eat us. Just call it how it is, that has gotta get it down. Hall of Fame Spotlight was next, and that's always nuts, especially because as we said last night, they probably get fans, which they didn't at the ceremony. And then it was time to Rhea Ripley versus Oscar. Now Rhea got the live entrance music too, which again made her feel like a massive star, but this was just so good on an emotional level because when she was coming out, she had a massive smile on her face as well because probably she was going, oh my gosh, I'm at WrestleMania and there are these things in the crowd. I think they're cool people. I love it though, because it's just real and wrestling and reality pushed together is just the best. And I know if she's meant to be a heel, who gives a fuck? I also thought this match was fantastic. How Oscar hasn't had a proper title feud for 472 years, I will never know because she may be one of the best wrestlers in the world and Rhea Ripley has that fantastic quality that she can stand there and you're instantly drawn to her, which is something that all wrestlers should be trying to do. You want to be able to stand out. She also just so happens to be awesome in the ring. There was this great bit where she was dominating Oscar and just slapping around going, is that all you got, Oscar? Is that all you got? And she was kind of such a dastardly bad guy here. Even though she mostly got cheered, in that moment, she was able to elicit some booze, which just proves what a good sports entertainer she is. What was better than all of that, though, was some of the transitions in this, because at one point, I think it went waist lock, arm bar, Oscar lock, surprise pin. And it just wove so well into each other. I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do anything that pretty as long as I live. Once again, though, we do have to note that the finish kind of came out of nowhere, which was a little bit of a thing on WrestleMania 37 Night 2. Because Oscar was rocking Rhea with some stiff kicks. She hit the ropes. She went to give her another one. Ripley ducked, got her in the riptide, hit it. And again, I was like, well, we'll do a near fall kick out. That's what we do at WrestleMania. But no, the ref went free. And Rhea Ripley is your brand new Raw Women's Champ. However, I don't really care once again because the match was really good. Oscar is terrific. Rhea Ripley is brilliant. And this is exactly what we should have done. We need to crown new people at the showcase of the Immortals to ensure that they do go on to become massive stars. And we did it with Bianca Belair. We did it with Rhea Ripley. And it makes me feel very excited about the women's division. Although now, obviously, we need to see what's going to happen on Raw. Hogan and Titus were then back and they weren't dressed like pirates anymore. But honestly, what a pointless job the WrestleMania hosts were this year. Down. This was all the payoff to the Bailey stuff though, and a very good lesson that you should never actually buy into rumours unless you're 100% sure they're facts. 
then there wouldn't even be rumors to begin with. Because she was out to call Hulk and Titus a bunch of morons or whatever she said, when she was interrupted by the Bella twins who did their weird wiggly hip thing before they grabbed Bailey and chucked her down the entranceway. Now I was fine with this mostly because they didn't come out to that Brie mode music. Remember that Brie mode that makes you want to kind of take your head and rub it into some kind of a wall. But the issue was that everybody in the crowd had thought that Becky Lynch was going to come out because again, that had been the murmurings. So when she didn't, all of this kind of fell flat. Once again, too, this is how we use Bailey at WrestleMania 37. It just doesn't seem fair. On one last side note, too, Backlash this year is going to be called WrestleMania Backlash. And that's why we're not allowed nice things. Which brought us to our main event, which was Edge versus Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan for the Universal title. And I may as well be honest with you here. I love this. I absolutely loved it. I think it is one of my favorite WrestleMania events for years to the point it doesn't just get an up is getting a golden up. Edge got a massive reaction when he came out, which once again ties into this whole thing. You don't need to tie into rumors like, oh no, he's gonna get booed. He did not, so you didn't need to worry about it. But better still, Roman Reigns was greeted to just jeers and boos and utter hatred, and that worked with his character so well. Because at one point he was in the ring going, acknowledge me, acknowledge me. And then was like, no, you absolute psychopath. That is so much better than going, yeah, we acknowledge you. Because them saying no just pisses Roman Reigns off. Daniel Bryan is also very likely one of the best wrestlers of all time. And what you need to do is you need to go and watch it. Because I can't do it justice just by telling you what happened. You won't have the feels. The early story was that given that there was no DQs, Jay Uso was going to try and take out Edge and Daniel Bryan. And while that worked for a little bit, it failed miserably when Edge caught him and gave him a DDT onto the still steps and he was dead. All three then started coming and going and toing and froing. And the pacing of this and the sheer timing of everything they pulled off I don't understand how three people can be so good at professional wrestling. Brian also hates his brain, so kept doing moves with his head. And by the time Reigns caught him during a suicide dive and then just suplexed him, I was having a good time. I mean, seriously, I've honestly had worse times in real life at real engagements. Roman Reigns back in the ring then crashed into each other when they both went for spears. And I went, well, that was just brilliant. And then Daniel Bryan was back in the ring and he had gone absolutely bonkers too, because he started to make Maybe quite literally kick the ship out of him. He also applied the yes lock to our tribal chief. And if it wasn't for Edge, Roman Reigns was going to tap out. And it's very important you take that and put it in your brain because it's going to tie into the finish. This kind of stuff just annoys the head of the table though. So he powerbombed Daniel Bryan into Edge and then got Bryan for a second time and powerbombed him off the steel steps through an announce table. Why are we so intent on trying to kill Daniel Bryan? It was brilliant though, because as Roman went to celebrate, Edge appeared from nowhere and speared him. And then he lost his mind too, because he put Roman Reigns back in the ring. He got a bunch of chairs or a bit of one chair and applied a cross face and used the edge of that chair to like ruin his mouth. And you already know what happened then. Reigns was going to tap out once more before Daniel Bryan stopped him. So let's get at our Roman Reigns was going to lose chart. We're up to two. For a brief moment, we even had a dual cross face and yes lock. But then they started headbutting each other because we don't care about Daniel Bryan's think box. And then as Bryan went to hit the running knee onto edge, he got caught with the spear. 10 out of 10. He then followed that up with another spit onto Roman Reigns. And just as he was about to win and become the Universal Champion, honestly, at the last possible moment, Daniel Bryan pulled out the referee. 
So let's get our Roman Reigns lost chance out. Oh my God, he's up to three. Edge couldn't handle any of this because he just felt like he was going to be screwed over. So he got another chair and not only did he weigh lace to everybody, but he gave Daniel Bryan a concerto. And then when he was going to do the same to the head of the table, all of a sudden Jay Uso was back from the grave and he was going after the rated R superstar. He got wrecked because of course that's his role. But during all of this, Reigns was able to recover. He hit a spear onto Edge. He then hit him with a concerto and and if you can believe it, he grabbed his carcass, put it over Daniel Bryan, and Roman Reigns, the head of the table, the tribal chief, the absolute nut job, pinned both of them. And don't give me all of this, well, technically Edge won, because he was on top of Daniel Bryan, because you could see that Edge's shoulders were pinned to the mat too. And while I do totally agree that WWE has lost their minds, because fans are finally back in the arenas, and all of the bad guys are losing, when it comes to storytelling, and when it comes to narrative, I thought this was flipping fabulous. I mean, when Roman got the three, I laughed out loud and started to cheer because it just suits his persona so much. I mean, he walks and stomps around saying, I'm the worst, nobody's better than me. Then he only escapes by the skin of his teeth. And yes, maybe there's the argument that we shouldn't be doing or telling this story at WrestleMania, but we did. And who really cares when a match is off this quality? Like who actually lost? I think Daniel Bryan is brilliant. I think Roman Reigns is brilliant. I think Edge is brilliant. In fact, he doesn't make any sense because he came back from a retirement injury and he's still better than 99% of people you're going to see. So when WrestleMania 37 went off air, I felt so entertained. I felt so satisfied, even though the villain won. Sometimes the villain wins, that's just life. So it was a blast. And yes, like I say, it was one of my favorite WrestleMania main events in years. So I have no qualms about this at all. It is getting enough overall. And that's even with everything that happened <laughs> with The Fiend. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.